Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you in touch with your Houston Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you. It's been a busy weekend at NRG Stadium, of course, with the 2022 draft in the books now. We have a lot to go over. You're going to hear from plenty of the picks tonight. You'll also hear from Stanford Cardinal coach David Shaw. Drew Doherty caught up with him last week right before the draft in Vegas. He was working for NFL Network, and he discussed Davis Mills, among other things, and Nick Casario, his post-draft wrap with us in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Let's get the best of that as well. But let's start here with some stories of the day, and one of them, pretty big one. Titus Howard had his fifth-year option picked up by the team. Today was the deadline. The way this works is going into your fourth year, if you're a first-round draft choice, the team has to make that decision by today, if you were drafted in 2019, which Titus was, and the team decided, yes, we want another year, meaning after this one, another contractual year for Titus Howard, and we'll see how and where he lines up when the team gets to training camp. And will that be it? I don't know. They've got a lot of mixing and matching to do. Maybe they have their minds made up right now. I don't think they're going to tip their hand anytime soon, but it's great to know that Titus Howard, who was the most recent first-round draft choice for this team until Thursday night, will be back for year five. He's going into year four. And, of course, Thursday night the team picked up Derek Stingley in the first round and also Kenyon Green, and you know the rest from there. We will review as we continue tonight. Another story, Rasheen Green, defensive lineman from the Seattle Seahawks, former USC player, has been signed by the Texans to help bolster that front. Now, they picked up Thomas Booker in the draft as well, a D lineman out of Stanford. You'll hear from him later on in the show, but Green will help. He had six and a half sacks last year, see him as at least a rotational type of player. And another report came down today that the Texans signed Mario Addison, another defensive lineman. Now, he's a little more seasoned, shall we say. He was actually an undrafted free agent with the Bears back in 2011 when, you know who, Lovey Smith was there. So we'll see if he can get into the flow with the rest of the D linemen. And look, everybody seemed to be making plays last year, right? It was like Oprah. You make a play, and you get a play, and you get a takeaway, and you get a pick, and you get a strip sack, and it just seemed like everybody was contributing to that. So I'd like to see something like that again. And then reports came out during the day that Lottie Johnson's been traded. The corner slash safety slash corner has been traded reportedly to the Kansas City Chiefs for a conditional seventh-round draft choice in 2024. And Lonnie's been tweeting a lot, very active on social media with his YouTube reality show and his Twitter account and everything, and now he'll be doing that in Kansas City. Obviously, the Texans picking up Stingley was huge for the secondary. Also, Jalen Petrie at safety, very nice pickup for the secondary in the draft, and they have other bodies to work with on the back end, and we don't have to get to all of that today, but you know it's going to come up in the conversation a lot because we've got a lot of football talk between now and the start of training camp in late July. Let's begin the show right here, though, with Nick Casario. We caught up with him in the Hyundai Texans radio studio right after the draft was done and just got a sampling on how he was feeling. You know, I don't know who's more relieved, me or John. Uh, John no, John's working on the 2023 draft. But, no, um, I, I think it's just kind of a culmination of a lot of work and a lot of effort by a lot of people. Um, very purposeful work, um, very, I would say, all-encompassing work. And the amount of people that are involved in this process are significant. So I think more than anything, it's kind of an opportunity for them to kind of, you know, take a little bit of a breath, 
kind of recalibrate and, you know, hopefully that the work that they've put in, you know, will manifest itself with positive results um, ultimately at some point here on the field. But, you know, I think organizationally, you know, I think everybody is, you know, excited with the opportunities that we had in front of us and we just try to make good decisions and, and try to add players and people that we feel fit the profile of what we're trying to continue to build here with, with, with the Texans. The under hit. We talked before the draft. You had 11, I think, going in. You then traded to get to 10. You end up making nine. Did you have in your mind a certain number, Nick, of the picks you wanted to make? Like, hey, I don't want to go under seven, but I don't want to go over 11. Did you have any kind of idea or just that's the way it played out? I'd say probably more than anything that's the way it played out. But, you know, whether or not we were going to use all 11 picks, I mean, at one point I think we ended up with technically 13 total because we yeah. had acquired the three extra picks from Philadelphia. Yeah. So we picked – had the couple extra picks, but then ended up moving those. So I think realistically probably thought we were going to end up in this, you know, 9 to 10, 9 to 11-ish range, just given the ability to potentially move up and down the board with the resources that we had. So you don't necessarily go in with a finite number. Ultimately, you have to let the board dictate your response and dictate how you're going to add those players. So I think you have to stay true to that and stay consistent and not necessarily pigeonhole yourself and say, well, we can only pick nine or we can't pick 13 or, you know, you can't really approach it that way. What are our options? What makes the most sense? Let's have really thoughtful dialogue and then let's make a decision, which we, we definitely had a lot of dialogue, a lot of decisions. We could have done a, a lot of different things with picks, whether it's move them, move back. If we move back too far, what would happen? And you have to make those sort of in real time. So once you get past the first round, I'd say, you know, you have about sort of five to seven minutes yeah. to sort of make those decisions. So, and the clock's ticking, and if you do a trade, then I think we did a couple trades literally with a minute and a half under two minutes on the actual clock for the actual pick. So reach an agreement, two minutes. Okay, you have to call the league. Okay, do we match it up? What are the terms? Okay, we're all set. All right, we're on the clock. It's a minute. Let's get the pick in. Let's get the player on the phone. Then we got to go. It's a call, not a text or an email or any other kind of communication. Is it an actual phone call, verbal confirmation that the trade is done and approved? Yes, it's a verbal confirmation. So the process is you talk to another team. So Philadelphia, okay, mm -hmm. what are the terms? Are you comfortable? All right, we have an agreement. Great. Call into the league. All right, so Philadelphia calls into the league on their end. We call in the league on our end. Do the terms match up, and the league says, okay, you have a trade. You're on the clock. Ready, go. So those are the, the mechanics that are involved on the trade. Obviously, you want to look for a lot of different traits and players. It felt like, outsiders looking in, the one trait that seemed consistent with, with every pick was its ball. It's about football, and you talked about that. There are a lot of other things that guys can get involved with, and they will with community and charities and things like that. But it's about ball, especially your Friday night picks. Like Every single one of them that talked, it was like, I want to get to work, I want to get going, put my head down, I want to grind and work. Was there a particular characteristic you were looking for? Was that it, that it is about ball? Those are the kind of guys you wanted in this building? Yeah, and I think we've talked about that. The people that are in our building currently, like you have a lot of players with that mindset and thought process. Yeah. Ultimately, football players win football games. So what are the qualities that go into being a good football player? Well, you know, certain physical attributes and physical skills associated with each position. Yep. That's one thing. And then when you're on the field on Sundays, on Sundays – the mental and physical toughness that it takes to endure a 60-minute game is massive. So do you have the competitive stamina to take it one play at a time? You're going to handle adversity. You're not going to win every game 50 to nothing. You're going to be in a dogfight. You might be down two touchdowns. You could be up. Other team scores. You turn the ball over. The field is going to flip. How quickly can you transition from 
what's going on. All right, go to the next play and then move on. And the focus is about playing football. When you're drafted to play on a team, you're drafted to play football. You're not drafted to have a bunch of marketing deals. You're not drafted to worry about things outside of football. If you're successful at football, those opportunities will come. So we want to be good football players. We also want to represent the Houston Texan community and the ownership in the community. So that's important to be able to give back to the community, be able to have an influence in the community. I mean, we're fortunate some of the players that we drafted are already in the Houston community, so their ability to impact other people, that's important. Our players do a great job with that. So you have to look at everything holistically. There's a couple different buckets, but ultimately they're paid to play football. They're played to score points, and they're played to st- whatever they – that's what they're here to do. So yeah. players that have that thought process, have, have that mindset, they're out there. Our job is to find them yeah. and bring them into building on our terms. Yeah. What's it like to be there in the seventh round? You have no picks in the seventh round, and you're thinking, well, I hope so-and-so and so-and-so slip through so we can sign them as undrafted free agents. And the transition, Nick, from you get to draft them and they're yours to you're kind of recruiting them as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, absolutely. So once we pick Deculus there in the sixth round, so our, all right, we have to prepare for – post-draft free agency. So you have to really wait until after the draft really to consummate anything, but you kind of have it mapped out or here's certain players, certain pockets, and you are, Mark. You're, you're recruiting the players to come to your organization, to come to your team, and here are the reasons why said player would want to do that. So that's part of our responsibility. I'd say a big part of it is the relationship with the agents. So you've cultivated relationships with the agents throughout the course of the year, throughout the different periods of time. Players are They have other players that have been on and off your team. You've talked to them about players. So like anything, like football is football, but it's still a people business. And then I would say particularly the relationships with the agents, essentially, specifically, excuse me, with undrafted free agency, that's a big part of it as well. And if they understand what you're trying to do and the types of players that you're looking for, maybe they steer them to or see what you're doing or see what the opportunity is, then they can tell the player, you know what, I think your best opportunity is in Houston, and here's why. Even though these two or three other teams are interested, this makes the most sense. So ultimately, it's their decision. We can just present our case, and then they have to make a choice. And then if we are able to attain the player, great. If they're not willing to come to Houston, then we just have to go to the next person, whomever that is. Nick, this process of going through with Lovey, what was that like for you guys? Yeah, it was great. You know, I don't want to say seamless, the you know, but I would say it was very, I would say, you know, we were able to work through a lot of different things, had a, a lot of good discussions, a lot of good dialogues, certainly respect his opinion. He's seen a lot of good players. He's been in a lot of drafts. He has opinions on players, and he should have players. And my job is to be receptive to the opinions of a multitude of people, mm-hmm. synthesize that information, process it, and ultimately make the right decision for the Houston Texans. Not necessarily the right decision for Nick Asario, the right decision for Lovie Smith, the right decision for our organization and our football team. Consciously, or did it just work out that way that you hit on every position group other than quarterback because you have Davis there and you have some depth there already with Kyle Allen coming in this offseason, but every other position group was addressed, Nick? Yeah, I probably more happenstance than anything else, Mark. Um, you know, there was a few players, it's uh, even some other positions that, you know, maybe we had already picked that we were talking about while we were on the clock. So, you know, you don't want to shy away from a good football player just because maybe you have another player at that position that you've already added or acquired, whether it's in free agency or whether you've already drafted it. So, because you really don't know when the next opportunity is going to come. So, mm-hmm. trust the information you have, look at the players, assess, uh, assess the grade. And then if it's equal, then maybe you go with a position where maybe you don't have or maybe there's more of an opportunity or a slot available for that particular player. Each night you get an opportunity to 
because it's a three-day draft as opposed to years ago it was two days. But you have a chance to go after round one. Let's look at our board. Let's reassess. Are we where we want to be? If we've done the work, we're picking fifth in this. Okay. You get the same idea last night, and you're picking second in uh, round four, second on the day. What's that process like, Nick, when, hey, draft's over for tonight, but then you got to turn that around because you got to be ready for the next opportunity. No, you transition pretty quickly. I think one of the things the league's done a great job, the way they've set it up for Thursday and Friday. So you have time during the day on Friday to kind of get prepared for Friday night. Right. So you have the opportunity. You know it's going to be two rounds. You're kind of going back and saying, all right, look, these 32 players are gone. Okay, here's the next subset of players. All right, let's go back. Maybe there's some projects or maybe there's some – let's go back. Let's watch these five guys back to back to back to back to back. Okay, we're in the right spot. All right, is there a differentiating factor? All right, maybe you go do that with another position. And then you look at, all right, here's where we're picking. All right, realistically – Okay, we would take these 10 to 12 players or whatever your number is, yep. okay? Where do you think you have to pick them? So that window of time during the day on Friday leading up to Friday evening, it's it's pretty valuable, yep. and you can get as much out of it as you want. I'd say Saturday's a little quicker turnaround, yep. um, but we're not on the drafts over. Let's stay here all night and try to figure out what's going to happen. Our thought process is had a good night. All right, let's get out of here. Let's go home. Let's get a little bit of rest. Let's come back in the morning. All right, let's start up again. Now, Friday to Saturday is a little bit different just because the timing yep. starts you know, a little bit earlier, but it's the same thought process. All right, we're picking two in the first, you know, in the fourth round. All right, we're going to have an opportunity to pick a player. Yeah. Nobody wants to trade up. All right, we're going to pick. Does someone want to trade back? All right, how far do we want to go back? What is the cost? What are we going to lose if we do that? So those are some of the discussions yeah. that take place. All right, one more for you, Nick. Other than undrafted free agents, what's the next wave like in possible player acquisition? Is there another mini wave of free agency? There are still some players out there, veterans, that could possibly help you. How do you approach all yeah, that? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Mark. We'll kind of transition to, all right, what's left in the draft in terms of players that aren't signed? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some players that have an opportunity to come to our rookie mini camp on a tryout-type basis where you don't make a commitment. That was the situation with Malcolm Butler. Like when he came, he came as a rookie minicamp tryout. It wow. was no commitment to from the team, and it was all right. Had a decent day. Let's give him an opportunity. I mean, and the rest is history. And that's a credit to Malcolm and the coaching staff. So that's one subset. And then you'll have another subset of veteran players who are still available or still on the street who hadn't signed during the free agent period. And then you'll have maybe players that have become available as a result of the acquisitions the player uh, teams have made in the draft. So the month of May will be a little geared more towards looking at other teams, maybe some more veteran players, and there's there's some opportunities available to us that um, you know make sense. Uh, I would say we actually before the draft came to some agreements with some players that we already knew going ahead ahead of time. To your point, Mark, that's your we were ahead on that or try to that maybe, you know, not no wouldn't say necessarily factored into who we draft or how we drafted, but we kinda had that and organized in a way that, okay, if we have a couple guys here, we know we're gonna add, all right, let's go through the draft, let's get through the draft. And maybe there's some other players that fall into a similar category. So that's really what the month of May will be, just specifically on the the team side and then We'll quickly transition here to 2023 and kind of start some of the spring scouting process for the next year's draft. And then kind of once you get to June, you know, end of May, beginning of June, the scouting staff will take a, a deserved break, um, which they should, um, and kind of recalibrate and then, you know, come back for training camp and then get ready to go out there in the fall 
and start this process all over again. Here we go. All right, Nick, congratulations on the draft. We really appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing everybody out in the field. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's Texans general manager Nick Casario. Now, next up, David Shaw, Stanford Cardinal head coach. He's coached plenty of NFL players. Pep Hamilton used to work there. Davis Mills used to work there as a student athlete. Let's hear from him next with Drew Doherty. Among other things, we'll get to some of the draft choices. Damian Pierce, one of them, the running back from Florida. Yeah, you're going to hear from him in the next segment as well, right here on Texans Radio. Thanks for taking us along on the ride home or wherever you are right now. Mark Vandermeer with you on Texans All Access. Last week, Drew Doherty was out in Las Vegas and talked to a number of people, including Daniel Jeremiah. We played that interview right before the draft got started on Thursday night, which feels like a 1,000 years ago right now. David Shaw worked the draft for NFL Network. He's the Stanford Cardinal head coach. Now, Drew caught up with him before the draft, so we don't have his thoughts on Thomas Booker being a Texan, but a lot of Cardinal players have obviously made the NFL, and one of them, Davis Mills, your quarterback, Drew asks him about him and also David Shaw's background with the National Football League. I got in the NFL in 1997 with the Eagles, and then shortly thereafter I went to the Oakland Raiders and Al Davis love the draft so if you work for al davis you better love the draft too so this time of year for me it's it's like you know christmas uh in 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 april and normally when we do this sort of setup it's the day before the draft uh it's a hotel ballroom it's usually kind of gray someplace but we're out by a pool in las vegas it's not bad you can't beat this you can't beat this and hopefully the nfl will, will see this and see the response from people and we'll have more west coast you'd love to see one in the bay area you'd love to see a draft in la san diego this is this is this is awesome What's it like for you? You coach many of these guys who are going in. You recruit many of these guys who are going in the NFL. How personal is it for you when you're when you're talking about prospects? Well, you know, my dad was a longtime football coach, and he would always say, you know, if a guy's going to play in the NFL, you can see that in his college film, right? He looks like an NFL guy playing against college guys. So a lot of these guys have coached against and seen him, and you know, after they kick your butt a couple of times, they're like, okay, we know we're going to see this guy on Sundays. All right, well, let's go closer to home. Davis Mills just completed his rookie season. There's a lot of promise there. I know you're engulfed in what you've got to do for Stanford, but you probably keep a wandering eye on all your former Cardinal. What did you think of what you saw from him, and how bright is the future for Davis? Yeah, you know, it's hard not to say we told you so. Um, There were a lot of questions before the draft, a lot of questions after the draft. Who did we get here in Houston? What's this guy going to be like? And I just kept saying, this guy's going to be a starting quarterback. Um, He's got the mental makeup first and foremost. Um, There are no ups and downs with Davis. He learns every single day. He grows every single day. He has supreme confidence in his ability, but not overconfident. Um, He's accurate. He's athletic. He's tough. So we knew there were going to be some difficult moments here and there. But the way he played at the end of the year, um, he looked like a guy. And to finish, you know, with all the great quarterbacks in the NFL, to finish at the top uh, of the of the list as far as the red zone passing goes, says a lot about him. And now looking to put some pieces around him, um, I think it has a chance to be exciting. Supreme confidence is a perfect description for what you just used. You were around it all the time. To a lesser degree, I've seen a lot of it in interviewing him. I don't know that everyone can fully appreciate it, though. It's almost like he's a droid at times as far as the confidence, like he never, ever wavers. Who does that compare to in your time, both in college and the NFL? Uh, You know, there's a category of guys that just don't have doubt. Um, Justin Reed, right? We were talking before we got on air. Justin Reed is one of those guys that 
from the day he started playing football, he was like, I'm going to be really good at this. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I was around Tim Brown. Tim Brown walks in the room like, I'm as good as anybody in here, and you're not going to beat me. Like that mentality. I was around Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson walked on with the walked on the team with the Raiders. Like I'm going to the Pro Bowl. That's how good I am. So that to have that confidence and to be around a guy like Richard Sherman, who I love the way he characterized it, is like you better believe it before you do it. Otherwise, you may not do it. So to walk in with that confidence, walk in with that belief, but then put the work in behind it is the real trick. How nice a marriage do you think the Pep Hamilton offensive coordinator and Davis Mills as a quarterback? How might the possibilities just grow there with that? There's so much about being a young quarterback where you need some guidance, right? Davis has all the tools. He has all the confidence. He's still learning. He's still growing. So now to have someone who has a similar background, right? Pep's got a background in our offense. Pep knows exactly what he was taught and how he was taught it. Now Pep can say, okay, we're going to put this play in. It's similar to something you ran at Stanford, um, but we're going to call it something different. And here's, the, here's, here's what makes it different. So to be able to make that kind of transition, translation, uh, is a big thing. Um, so be able to talk the same language, to be with someone every single day that knows you, knows your background, knows. And now one of the hardest things for young quarterbacks is to be able to say, hey, either I don't understand that or I don't like that. But once you establish that relationship, um, you know, Davis can say, hey, you know what, gosh, I like this play better than that play. And people say, okay, great, let's throw that play out. Let's work on the plays that you like and the plays that we're comfortable with. And how valuable is that? To have a guy like Hamilton who's seen so much, done so many different things, and at so many different levels running an offense. Well, you know, it, it legitimizes him. Um, he's worked with so many great quarterbacks all over the NFL. So many quarterbacks speak so highly of him because he played quarterback. He knows what they're seeing. He can go through the drills. Sometimes he'll wear the cleats out there to practice to go through the drills with him, say, no, here's how I want it. Let's make sure we do it this way. Um, so uh, the, having that familiarity with quarterbacks and also having that track record of helping quarterbacks, uh, I think helps him and helps Davis. David Shaw, we really appreciate the time. Best of luck to you guys this uh, fall. Thank you. David Shaw is one of those guys that if he wanted to be an NFL head coach, he'd have a job in about 10 minutes. It's just that way. Damian Pierce was drafted to open Saturday's festivities in the NFL draft. Early fourth round selection, second of the day for your Houston Texans. Running back from Florida. And what an outstanding player and personality. D.P. Sidhu visited with him. I don't know if you saw the Zoom call interview. He was shirtless. It was just kind of one of those funny things. He is just a mountain of personality. Here's D.P. and Damian Pierce, the running back out of Florida. Yeah, right now you're not wearing a shirt. You do seem super energetic. And I <laughs> love that you met with the local media. And, and they asked you, what, what do you know about Houston? And do you mind telling me what your answer was? Because I thought it was quite funny. I said, they got pretty house and got pretty girls. So I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> ready to go. Your highlight film is tremendous, first of all. It seems like you do everything really well. Pass protection. Uh, you're a great inside run, running back. What do you bring to this Texans run game? It's something that the Texans have really wanted to emphasize over the last few years and have really struggled getting the run game going. What do you bring to the ground game for them? Oh, man, I bring energy, first off. like I like getting my old linemen involved. You know, that's just the type of run I am. You can ask any of my old lines from – Little league up until now, man. You know, that's that's one thing I want to do. I want to have high energy on the football field, especially if we running the ball and if, and if we're making an emphasis on running the ball. I want to make sure everybody involved, make sure everybody on the same page. And, uh, you know, let's go bulldoze our way into the end zone if we have to. You are such a power back. I mean, we saw you at the NFL Combine and our sideline analyst and draft specialist, John Harris. He tells this story really well that you showed up to the bench press wearing your Ugg slides. And uh, you just announced yourself, and you put out 21 reps just like that. So uh, yeah, what about been, this? It could have been 24 if I had tennis shoes on because I ain't had no grip. <laughs> <laughs>
Next time, tennis shoes. What about this whole draft process for you? Were you surprised it was the Texans? I know they saw you at the Senior Bowl. They liked what they saw. What have your conversations been like throughout this process? You know, my conversation with the Houston just kind of been like with everybody, man. You know, they really like me. High energy kid. They like the way I run the ball. And um, it really came down to if I'm on the board, when they're ready to make their pick, you know, third or fourth round, I'm their guy. You found the end zone a ton last year at Florida, but not a lot of carry. So does not getting the ball as many times as you wanted, did that sort of put like a fire under you? You know, how do you sort of view that now as you, as you begin your NFL career? Oh, man, you know, that's, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, if I wasn't getting a lot of carries, but I'm productive in college, you know, let's do the same thing in the NFL, you know, because, uh, you know, nowadays it's running back by committee. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, I got a lot of great guys, you know, sit up on it for the first couple of years, learn from, you know, kind of be, you know, kind of, you know, kind of have guys who are great mentors, you know, who've been in the position I'm in, you know, guys who got me through that, you know, you know, that's just, I'm, I'm just ready to play ball with some great guys, man, you know, especially in the running back room, going running backs, we got to stick together, man, you um, know, I'm just ready to get there, you know, I'm ready to see what the future holds, man. I really like Damian Pierce. What's not to like as a player, as a person, all of it, really passionate for the game. Other running back news for the Texans today, Scotty Phillips has been waived injured, and that's sad. Scotty had so much potential, it seemed he came onto the scene in 2020 as an undrafted free agent. We were all wondering what he had in the tank. He got hurt that COVID year. Last year got hurt again, could not crack the lineup other than just limited action, and you just really never got to see what you hoped to see out of Scotty Phillips. That running back room is interesting. Damian Pierce talked about it with Pierce. Marlon Mack trying to get back into the flow after what happened to him in Indianapolis. Of course, we'll be here to cover it all for you. All right, coming up, Thomas Booker. We mentioned him. We're going to hear from the Stanford defensive lineman. We've got other players as well. What about Jalen Petrie, local guy? What about Austin Deculus? They're all coming up here on Texans Hall Access. Busy night here on Texans All Access. We gave you some of those headlines early, like Titus Howard getting that fifth-year option picked up. Rasheen Green signed by the team on the D-line. Also, reports are out there that Mario Addison is joining the Texans, the veteran trying to get the most out of his career. Lonnie Johnson traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. Conditional 2024 seventh rounder. Scotty Phillips waived by the team. A ton going on here tonight with your Houston Texans. Phillips, the running back, who showed a lot of promise. We talked about him in the last segment. Looked good in practice, never really materialized in the games. Okay, let's get to more draft choices here from this nine-player class of the Houston Texans, and I'm going to go in no particular order. This was Friday night, a selection, John Mechie third Coming off the knee injury, he says he'll be ready in July. Nick Casario was noncommittal, but, man, when you see the highlights of Mechie, and I know many of you have watched him because you've watched Alabama. They tend to come up on the screen every weekend. Mechie is strong, and D.P. Sidhu had a chance to catch up with him right after he got picked, and healing came up. That was a big question. How are you doing with the knee recovery? I feel great in that department. Um, my knee's been doing really well. Um, I've always been ahead of schedule, really ahead of schedule for where I am. And I'm just excited, just ready to get back. Um, it's been doing well. No worries there. Um, no speed bumps or hurdles, so it's been good. I think of all the things that I've read about you, the one thing that really stands out is your route running capabilities and, and what a pro you are at running routes, your route tree. I mean, tell us a little bit about how you developed that and how you really made that such a big part of your game. 
yeah, I think it's just being a, a student of the game, um, being a student of the game, watching just lots of studying, um, watching lots of guys and just uh, practice and adding those tools and taking pride in just being, being a, a route runner, uh, a get open type of guy. So um, just that. I found it really interesting that you actually have a relationship with Pep Hamilton, the Texans offensive coordinator, dating back to your high school days. How did that come about? How did you and Pep get to know each other? And what's that relationship like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Coach Hamilton was a um, a big recruiter of mine in high school when he was at Michigan. So we built a strong relationship then. And then it was cool to see him again um, in Houston. Um, and it was kind of just like we never left off. So it was great to see. And um, I'm excited to that I'm excited to have him as my coach. Had you had a lot of visits with the Texans? I mean, what was your pre-draft process like with this team? I think Houston was my first visit. So they were definitely, I had a lot of visits, but um, I think Houston was my very first visit. So um, I guess that it's just. Um, I mean, Lovey Smith's a defensive minded coach, but what do you think about playing for him and then having Pep as an OC? What do you think about just being here with that coaching staff in place and, and then getting to catch passes from Davis Mills? Yeah, I think, I think it's just um, somewhere I thrive um, under Coach Lovey Smith and Coach Hamilton. Um, just I get along really well with them. And I can't wait to actually get to do the football part with them um, and just play football. All right. You've been all over the world. I mean, you grew up in Canada. You lived in Ghana. I'm sure I'm leaving out some places. Have you ever been to Houston? I mean, Houston's a pretty international city. How excited are you to get to live here? And, and what do you know about Houston? Um, Yeah, I've been to Houston a couple of times. Um, some of my teammates from Houston. So, and I know it's an extremely diverse city, so I can't wait to be a part of it with my family, just with our diverse background. So um, I think it's it's just the perfect place for me. A little bit from John Mechie the third there with DP Sidhu, who conducted these interviews right after the players got picked, and they are good ones. Let's go local here as Jalen Petrie played at Baylor. A lot of people compare his play to Honey Badger. Look, I don't know. That would be great to achieve, but you see the tape here. You can tell that he's the type of player who could really help this secondary, and he immediately credited a power greater than himself. God doesn't make mistakes. You know, he put me right here, right where I grew up, put in all the work that I put in to get here. So, you know, he knows what he's doing and I'm going to just continue to trust him and continue to put my best foot forward and, and work hard. All right. So what were you doing when you got the call? Who was with you? Where were you? I assume you're in Houston. Yeah, I'm actually like 10 minutes from the stadium. I was at my house that I grew up in my whole life. And um, it was my parents, my brother, my girl, my agent. Um, and his family and, you know, just just here, just chilling, eating good food. And then I got the call and I was surprised because I thought it was somebody else calling me from an 832 number. And then I noticed it was the Texans. So it was a surreal moment for sure. You know, when we announced on the radio that you were the pick, John Harris, who's our sideline analyst, he said Jalen's going to be a real fun fit for this defense. I mean, how do you envision playing for Lovey Smith and how you might fit into this defense? What's your reaction to playing for him? Yeah, it's going to be great. You know, Coach Lovey Smith is a defensive guru. He knows what he's talking about. And, you know, I just look to learn as much as I can from him and to grow as a player while I'm with him. So. It's going to be great. Throughout the draft process, did you think it was going to be the Texans? I mean, had you met with them? Had they shown interest? Is this a complete surprise? Yeah, so the Texans actually was uh, one of my few visits that I had, my top 30 visits. And uh, when I went, it was it was all good vibes. You know, uh, the coaches were, were, were wonderful. And, you know, it just it just felt good. It's just crazy that, you know, they actually – 
you know, believe in me and, and chose me at 37. You seem to be very versatile in your attributes. Can you describe sort of what your style of play is, who you maybe modeled it after, who you looked up to? Yeah, I would describe my play as instinctual, aggressive, another aggressive. Like I just try to do everything full speed and make sure that, you know, I'm I'm, I'm coming with, with vengeance when I get there. You know, I'm, I'm big on making sure that I know where I'm supposed to be and also know what my teammates are supposed to be as well. So I'm also have that leadership when I step into the door and just try to, you know, make the team better overall. And um, in terms of comps, I would say Tyron Matthew um, is a guy that I look after and try to, you know, pull bits and things from his game. Now, we remember Tyron very well from his time here with the Texans. You seem to be around the ball quite a bit. You've got a lot of takeaways in that category. Three fumble recoveries, three forced fumbles, two interceptions. You get to play for a guy like Levy Smith who really talks about takeaways. I mean, is that a perfect fit for you or what? I mean, how do you always seem to be around the ball? Yeah, I, it goes back to my film study and how much time did I put in off the field to make sure that, you know, I know what I'm doing when I'm on the field. But, you know, takeaways, I try to turn into an offensive player when I'm on defense. I'm always trying to get the ball and, um, you know, pull it out or, or get an interception when I can. So that's a huge piece. And I understand that that, that would change, you know, the team around very fast if you're getting turnovers. I told you we were going in no particular order. Great to hear from Jalen Petrie. What about Tegan Quatoriano, the tight end? It was getting late in the draft, and boy, I always thought it was some kind of federal law that the Texans must draft a tight end in every single NFL draft. Well, Quatoriano was picked in round six out of Oregon State and told D.P. Sidhu that getting drafted is quite an honor. The Getting that call, being around my family, and just enjoying that experience was absolutely amazing. I wish I could just keep living it over and over again. <laughs> but um, I'm just excited. I'm excited to be in Houston and be a Texan and uh, get to work. All right. Well, John Harris, as soon as we found out that you were the latest pick, he said, uh, this guy is a wide tight end. He blocks and he blocks his guts off. So how would you describe your style mm -hmm. of play? I know you do more than just blocking, but tell us a little bit more about what you do on the field. Yeah. Like he says, like, I give it my all. You never got to worry if I'm giving 100% or not, because I am. I'm going to give my all. I want to win the game. Um, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to put the team in a position to win and do my job. But I just I feel like I'm, I'm a, one of the most well-rounded tight ends in this draft class. And I just, I'm just excited to prove it, prove that I can, I can be more than a one-trick pony. So uh, I'm excited. I'm just excited for the opportunity. Yeah, your role in the receiving game and in the run game, I want you to talk to us a little bit about that as well. I was looking at some of your stats. In your second season, you had an amazing 20 yards per catch. You, you only had, what, five yeah. catches for 100 yards uh -huh. and uh, scored on two of them. Yeah, I just I just did what I could with my opportunities. It's something, I mean, I once I catch the ball, I look to get to get up the field and and punish whoever's in front of me. So that's that's kind of the style of runner I am when I have the ball in my hands. And that's what you'll that's what you'll see on Sundays too this next fall. So at what point did you start playing tight end, Tegan? Um I started playing tight end when I basically right when I started tackle right when I started tackle football. So fourth grade maybe I started playing tight end. You never had any itch to maybe play a different position or try something else or go go defense? Why would I? Why would I? I mean, I can, I, it's just, it's the best position on the field, I think. I mean, I can catch the ball and I can smash people. So I think it's the best position. Um, I wouldn't want to play any other position. Like I've said, I'm just excited. 
You're not the only one that loves tight ends. Pep Hamilton, the Texans offensive coordinator, he loves multi tight end sets as well. So what about your meetings with Pep Hamilton and the Texans? How did they go? And what do you think about your role with the Texans, what it could be in this offense? Yeah, my meetings with the Texans have been great uh, with both the tight ends coach and offensive coordinator. They've both they've both been great and they they've expressed, you know, that they have plans for me. So, I mean, obviously I see myself, I'm a, I'm a wide tight end and I'll be contributing in the run game, but also be contributing in the pass game. And um, that's how I see myself as a player, just just a well-rounded player that takes pride in the run game and, and can make plays. So, Well, you grew up in Oregon and now you get to move mm-hmm. to Houston. So what do you know about Texas? Have you ever been to Texas? Did you ever think you'd be living uh, in Texas? I've never been to Texas before. Um, I've really? heard, I've heard, I've heard the barbecue's pretty good. I've also heard everything's bigger in Texas. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But um, yes. I'm excited to live to live in Houston. I, I know it's a great place. And uh, just to make the most of the opportunity. Tegan Couturiano, tight end drafted by your Texans as part of a nine-player class this past weekend. Now, we mentioned the Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker earlier and adding to the D-line with Mario Addison, acquired today reportedly, and also Rasheen Green from the Seattle Seahawks, along with the guys you know who are already here. Now, what about Booker getting selected from Stanford? Cardinal player adding to the Mills mix, and we heard from David Shaw earlier in the show. Man, we've been packed tonight. Booker told D.P. Sidhu what he was doing when he got picked. I was actually, you know, sitting, trying to get some food in between, you know, watching the rounds and everything, and then I get a call from Houston. I mean, my face just lit up entirely. You know, this is something that I've dreamed about since I was in middle school. You know, so this has been, you know, years if not a decade in the making. You know, so I'm so excited to get down to Houston, help the team out, become a contributor any way I can. Um, and again, link up with my college QB, Davis. Yeah, I was going to say, you've already got the Houston Texans hat and you're reunited with Davis Mills, who was just at Stanford uh, a little over a year ago. You know, what excites you the most about coming to Houston. I saw that Davis's mom actually tweeted at you, congratulations, and said, you're going to love Houston and you're going to love the Texans. Yeah, no, it's so exciting. You know, this is a team with you know so many possibilities to go up from. So I'm just excited to add to that locker room uh, in any way I can, culture-wise, football-wise, um, off the field as well. You know, so this is something I'm super excited about, specifically with the coaching staff, with Lovey, um, with my D-line coaches. Getting to talk to them at the top 30 visit, you know, is one of the best things I got to do the entire offseason. So I'm excited to get working with them and grind it. All right. What did you like so much about the conversations? You, you mentioned that you liked it a lot. Tell us a little bit about the pre-draft process and, and how some of those meetings and conversations went. Absolutely. Yeah, no, what I loved about talking to the defensive line coaches is it's so clear, you know, that they are, are dialed in the details and have attention to detail to a different level. You know, when it comes to specific different alignments, knowing, you know, how to, to play specific blocks, schemes, uh, pre-snap reads, all that. You know, I got to talk super, super nerdy football with them, you know, off the jump. So that's something I love doing. I think those little details are what, you know, turn you from a good player to a great player. So I'm excited to get to work with them, you know, and, uh, and transition that way as well. So I love that. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's hard to find words right now. <laughs> I am sure it is. And I know you play a little bit of three technique. You play on the inside of the D line for a lot of people that maybe don't catch a lot of Stanford games here in Houston. Tell us a little bit more about your game, some of the aspects of it, the strengths of your game, where you feel like uh, you might really be able to contribute here. Yeah. So I'd say my biggest strength, first and foremost, is my suddenness, um, I change of direction and my power. You know, I think that pops off the film, whether you see me at a four technique, uh, rushing a tackle, five technique, rushing a tackle, or down inside at three technique or two eye or even at the zero technique with centers. 
right? So I think that's the first thing that pops off the tape. And yeah, no, I think that what I'm going to bring to the locker room um, and that team as well is, you know, somebody who's willing to learn, uh, first and foremost, who's willing to, you know, fail to get better. You know, I think a lot of that is, is important, being able to understand what your shortcomings are to determine the strengths and make those strengths even stronger. So I'm a guy that I think can bring interior pressure in the past game, and that I can be an extremely stout run defender that knows, you know, the pre-snap breeze that'll help me be successful in alignment and assignment. And I think you get an explosive defensive lineman that can get up the field and disrupt. You come from a really athletic family. Your dad played football at Wisconsin. How much did he really help you in your growth and, and development as a football player? Oh, man. No, my uh, my dad was super helpful. So, again, we share the same name. I'm the fourth. So we got a lot of uh, Tom Bookerisms that we like to talk about. Uh, little quotes from him that, that, are, that are great. I don't know how he comes up with them. But uh, one of them is, you know, keep your powder dry. And that's something I've been trying to do, you know, throughout my entire life and specifically today. You know, it's nerve wracking uh, trying to wait for your name to get called. So he kind of gave me that as a way to keep it even keel, um, stay level so that you can have consistent performance no matter what you're doing. So uh, definitely a huge impact on my, you know, pre-draft process, but just, you know, my entire life, you know, as a person, as a student, as an athlete as well. All right. Tom Bookerisms. I like it. You also, I found it really interesting, senior vice president of your high school track team captain. I mean, you're obviously a great talker. So, you know, how does being a, a senior class vice president of your high school class, how does that sort of help you in the locker room and, and with teammates? Yeah, I think the, the way that I go about, you know, leadership, you try to find a way to make it organic, no matter what you're doing. And I think that comes down to like getting to know people, you know, before you try to, you know, try any kind of leadership tactic, right? Some people respond super well to you talking to them. Some people just want to see you walk the walk, you know, so I try to make sure it's organic and that you got to earn that first and foremost, you know? So I'm a guy that's trying to earn my keep, you know, first and foremost, before I take the leadership role that, that I want to, you know, that's something I have to earn day in and day out, you know, camp, film, actual gameplay, you know, because guys listen to, to people that are doing stuff on the field. So you got to earn that respect first and foremost. But I try to get to know everybody to see what their different, you know, likes and dislikes are. Thomas Booker, D Lyman out of Stanford, and we're running out of show. I'm not going to get to Austin Deculus tonight, which is probably a bad career decision by me since he went to Cy Fair, which is Cal McNair's alma mater, and they have that Bobcat pride thing going. But you know what? We could devote an entire show to him. In fact, the rest of the offseason can be devoted to Austin Deculus out of Cy Fair. I'll just do that for job security, if nothing else. I'm kidding around. Good player, though, added. He started a bazillion games at LSU, and he's going to be fun to watch work into that O-line situation. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Johnny Harris will be with you tomorrow as we will continue to review the draft and these other transactions and moves that the Texans are making following the draft. Nick Casario talked about it during the interview that they had some things in the chamber ready to fire for this week strengthen the team, just get them where they need to go for OTAs and get ready for camp, and then away we go. It's so interesting that they addressed every position group in this draft. Other than quarterback, they felt like they were set there with Davis Mills going into year two, and of course there's going to be a lot of focus on him. But there's a lot of other opportunities to talk about the quarterback situation with your Houston Texans. I want to thank everyone who worked on the show tonight. Thank you, DP, for all the interviews. Drew talking to David Shaw, of course, Johnny, Nick Casario, all the draft choices. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.